Hey, happy Wednesday afternoon, everyone. Tyson Alger from the I-5 Corridor here, joined by Shane Hoffman. This is our week's I-5 Corridor traffic report. Shane, it was actually fun yesterday. We spent the whole day on the I-5 Corridor together. We went down for Oregon's Football Media Day. We then went to lunch. The pad thai was a little spicy. I'm not going to lie. I, I was ashamed of of how little of it I could get through. Um, but then we went to men's basketball media day. And then we spent the entire drive back talking about how it's basketball season already and the year's going by too quick. How are you doing? Or have you been able to kind of compartment, compartmentalize all that? I'm doing my best. It's, uh, it's interesting because I, I don't even feel like I can focus on basketball. Like you said, uh, we're doing basketball preview stuff. In your case, college. In my case, college and high school. And for high school, it's football playoffs. For college, we're um, nearing playoffs and, and bowl season. And my head's spinning a little bit. Um, and it doesn't help that we've had to spend so much time together lately. Did you, <laughs> I appreciate that. Did you end up watching that Sun-Spurs game last night? So, unbelievably, I turned it on right as they started that, that run um, that ended up being kind of a game clinching run there at the end and then uh, my roommate wanted to watch an episode of better call Saul so I turned the game off and then was stunned to later see that they pulled that off even if it was a little bit controversial there at the end some of the photos that just came out of that one of Wemby contesting that Durant shot it's one of the I looked at that photo for like five minutes I it's one of just this two aliens playing basketball with each other and that was so cool too when they had that one back and forth where Durant came down and then when Binyama uh kind of had like crossed I don't know if you'd consider it crossing up crossing Durant up but then he came in and slammed it from like outside the freaking key yeah that dude's a little bit different <laughs> great Halloween costume too oh my god it was perfect like you couldn't have been, like how do you what what is he next year he was the slender man this year he's running out of options very quickly I mean he could that was probably he could be a tree. Probably the one, right? That tree. Uh, and what is the skinniest tree out there? I don't know. It's it's funny Maybe though. Like some talking... bamboo or something. Yeah, it's funny talking to Infali Dante like we were yesterday, and he's six eleven, close to seven foot, and you just marvel at how large this human being is, and then someone like Wembenyama would be looking down on him by four inches and with arms that are probably twice as long. That being said, and Fale Dante, like very clearly has been hitting the weights since he got to Eugene. It's been apparent every season, but it seems like I noticed it more yesterday than I had maybe in, in subsequent years or past years, excuse me. I, uh, I really like talking with that guy. He's, he's always in a good mood. It's, it's a little bit of a challenging interview just because his English isn't great, but I love, uh, I was trying to ask him about his bike yesterday. Actually, you were asking about that too, because he, he loves riding his bike around Eugene and he calls it his Bugatti. And I was just kind of fascinated of, does somebody have to, who's seven feet tall, have to like custom order a bike? Like, how do you fit it to that? And he said it took him, uh, it took two years to get the right bike into Eugene. Yeah. But now he, but now he rides it around everywhere. No, that, that was really cool because, you know, early in the day we're at, we're at football media and I mean, I know you grapple with this a lot of like, how often do you decide to go down? Because it's a long drive and there's a lot of empty days at football media. 
unless you're going there for one specific thing or you have a one-on-one, it can be really hard to get quality stuff out of it. And then you go to media day and with a guy like Dante, you'll still have people that ask him very basketball centric questions and sometimes complex ones. And I don't think those are the questions that you should be asking him, but you have this kind of free pass to have a fun interview, which is, which is something you just don't really get with football and, and don't get it with many athletes in general in those kind of uh, structured settings. We're going to get into football here just next, but did anything else stand out to you from basketball media day? We're, we're obviously going to preview the basketball season in more in depth in coming weeks, but just yesterday was kind of, as you said, it was a, uh, we got to talk to just about everybody on the roster. Well, and you got to talk to somebody that no one else got to talk to as did I. So we were kind of busy doing that. Um, so I missed a few of the other player spotlight one-on-ones. Um, it was, it was fun talking to um, uh, their new big man, Mo, who is friends with Dante. Um, Dante kind of semi-recruited him there and, and they seem like they have a great friendship and, and that'll be cool. But, you know, I kind of came away a, a little vexed at what this team is going to look like and, it didn't seem like Altman had much of a clue either, to be quite honest. Yeah, the the only consistency that this team really carries to any of the past ones is it is November first, and they are mostly injured. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, I, right. Like I, I, I don't know what sort of maybe Dana had to, you know, make some sort of wager to get to the final four that one year. But every year since, I mean, this has been one of the most unlucky teams when it comes to injuries, and so. Uh, who who was all out this week? I mean, Mookie's out. Uh, Jackson Shellstad was a little bit banged up. Uh, Dante's banged up a little bit. Doesn't seem too too uh, bad with him. It sounded like Jermaine was out too. It's it's and it's 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 just kind of a greatest hits version of how many how many years have we written the story when things have gone wrong? It's boy, they it took them a while to get come together as a team early in the year, and and who knows, Mike, maybe. I, I think it's way too early to start counting this team out, um, especially with how different it is than last year's roster, but just not a great start. And Dana did seem a little bit muted <laughs> yesterday during his media availability. I think obviously he's probably frustrated with, with the availability issues as well. Yeah. And I also don't blame him. I mean, he's out there yelling and then right after practice ends a practice where he's using a lot of, non-scholarship players to just fill spots in a scrimmage he has to come and talk to and just like hey media day like hey hey like how's the season gonna go and right <laughs> yeah. yeah no it's it's a really interesting team in the way it's built they have a lot of guards that are gonna jockey for playing time um they have some local guys jackson shellstad mookie cook nate biddle is in there they don't really have much in terms of big wings which has been a staple of altman teams going back quite a while now and he made note of that um and i kind of asked him if because of that if if I, if he thought kwame evans had to do anything specific to get on the floor and he kind of brushed that question aside it seems like kwame will play more four or five than he would anywhere else but a guy like that i think will be will be vital because it, well, you know, they don't have much in the middle in, and, in, and, in the middle of the, the lineup and, and, and like altman is going to go out of his way to like guarantee minutes for a freshman i mean i yeah having 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 covered this guy for almost 10 years now um and i'm not saying that's wrong but it's for for as many five stars as oregon has landed the amount of them that have played like right away and like that five star role type of way has been very minimal Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. R- really? Usually I mean, when it's, it's Bull Bull, it's... Yeah, but, like, Bull Bull didn't even play. I mean, just because he was injured. Like, I know, like, Troy I Brown... I in terms of right away, Bull Bull did play. Correct, correct. Uh, Troy Brown Jr. Pl- played right away in 20... Is that 17? Um, yeah. Pritchard played... Actually, Pritchard came off the bench his first half of the season, but he also wasn't a five-star guy. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm I'm excited. I I, I was just kind of jazz coming off of media day yesterday because as as you said, it's just nice to have that access and to kind of you know learn about these guys a little bit. Um, what do you think from football interviews? Um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's great to see other reporters and and be down there. <laughs> um, I enjoy listening to Brandon Dorless. Yeah, Brett, Brett, Brandon Dor- Brandon Dorless is a. I think he really took the mantle from like Troy the Troy Die era as mm-hmm. the I'm going to be the fun defensive guy to talk to who actually backs it up on the field as well. Also, that's a cool one for me because, and we did our our greatest flops draft of our reporting takes. Right, and right. Articles. yeah. Th- this was one you got. This was one you hit, and you hit early too. Yeah, I hit early. I had a huge feature on him. What was that? I mean, that was... That, that was your first big corridor feature, I think. That was. So that was, was quite that a while ago, ago now. That might have been two something, seasons ago. Something uh, like that, right? Anyways. That was... Uh, that was... Yeah, it was Cristobal's last season. God, time flies. I was a senior. Yeah, senior. Anyways, he's panned out. Um, you senior. I liked, years, but... I liked learning about Kyrie Jackson's story a little bit more. That was fun. Um, and you have some stuff coming about him soon, some more stuff. But yeah, you know, I kind of, I think that stuff is valuable if you're there every day and you have to be for your job, but it is, it's tough to kind of just jump into because I don't know, I, I feel sometimes nervous that I'll ask a question that's been hit already, even if I'm curious about it and I respect the player's time, I respect everybody else's time. So that, it can be tough. Yeah, it's the, I, I've kind of come to terms with that because there is that, Anytime you're in a press scrum and you ask a question and everyone else knows that that's been asked already, they're like, you can kind of feel everyone's eyes rolling a little bit, but also we are there to do like press, press conferences are, it's the function for them are for reporters to do their job and you're trying to collect stuff that you want to report on your own. And so, yeah, yeah, might've been asked beforehand, but you're just. You know, you want to report it firsthand. I don't know. I've 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 come to grips with looking stupid in the press conferences. Okay, as long as you're getting the material that you want. <laughs> in classic classic corridor fashion, we have absolutely and utterly buried the lead here. There was a big football game played. There was a um, Tuesday ranking show, uh, playoff ranking show, I should say. And Oregon is the hottest team in the nation, it seems, um, which is a little bit improbable given that just two weeks ago, it seemed like the sky was falling after that loss to Washington. What's amazing to me is Washington hasn't lost since that Oregon game, but you can tell, I think you can tell the committee really wanted to rank Oregon ahead of Washington, but just no knew that it couldn't because of the, you know, Oregon's the highest ranked one loss team and Washington's the lowest ranked undefeated team. But there's also, there's so much, I think East coast bias still in that because they really went out of their way to single out how Washington has struggled in the two games since Oregon, but it's not like 
you know, Georgia actually isn't beating like the doors off of everybody. Uh, Florida State hasn't been beating the doors off. You know, like all these other teams have had kind of close losses, but it seems like the Pac-12's ones are graded, uh, graded more against you, even though they give Oregon they, they they call the Oregon win like one of the best win. Uh, the the Oregon win is probably the best win in the country. But then I don't know. It it's is. Just, yeah, it's. I I just I see a lot of kind of discrepancies in how they went about putting together that top four, top five. Really. Well, it's been almost ten years since they started the playoff. Um, first off, I think it'd be extremely fun if Oregon made the first ever and the last ever before they expand. Yeah. Um, and we can get into that, but they, they they purposely left it open for interpretation a little bit, so that they can kind of uh, the committee that is, so that they can kind of warp uh, year to year. They can warp what seemingly matters, right? And, and I don't know. I've never been one who is super dialed into the week by week rankings. Um, I like it more than the top twenty five before then because that ends up being kind of pointless. Um, and it, it gives us some really, content on a Tuesday night, you know. It, it does, yeah. right? Um, yeah, I, I struggle to know what to do with this information because of how quickly it changes. I mean, again, think about Oregon. They lose that Washington game and everyone's aware that kind of everything is in front of them. They could make their way all the way back. Um, but Washington is the team at that point. And we're sitting here saying, oh, you know, Oregon better watch out, blah, blah, blah. And now all of a sudden... The records haven't shifted, um, but it's it's completely and utterly kind of flipped on its head. In two weeks' time, the narrative. I mean, Bo Nix is now back in the Heisman race. Dan Lanning is the the favorite son again, and um, it seems like Oregon is, is the team that all these national media figures are kind of consistently lauding as being. It is. It, it's it's funny how. When I don't know, it just it just seems like within the last week, like everyone has started to get on the Oregon bandwagon. I mean, national people like across different platforms. I've seen like the Athletic, I've seen CBS. It just, it's just like, hey, look out for the like. It's it's like it's if if everyone is saying Oregon is like the most overlooked, underlooked team, whichever way you want to say that. Like, I, I think they're probably in the right spot right now, and I, I also think that whatever the rankings said Tuesday night, they're in the exact same spot where I think if they went out, they're going to be in the playoff. I, I think that like them being at like number six and not having like somebody stupid in front of them. Like, I think they're in a good spot. But I, mean, I think they're in a great spot, especially with who they have coming up, who Washington has coming up, uh, you know, Ohio state and Michigan still have to play in Ohio. State Michigan might get banned. Like who, who that's the hell a whole other yeah. thing, right? Uh, you know, Georgia has some, some late season things that'll be more interesting than what they've had going this season in terms of their schedule. I do think there was an overreaction though, to the Oregon Utah win. We And, and I, I don't think I've seen anyone kind of stake their claim on this and not that I want to, but I didn't necessarily come away from that game thinking that Oregon's outlook or their overall ceiling was any different than I did going into that game. I agree with you. We talked about this a little bit on the car ride home. And it's not that it's not that I I think that the the praise Oregon's earning right now isn't warranted. I just think that like that was just the expected output of that game. Like I I saw Oregon State handle Utah relatively well in Corvallis. Um 
Utah is a, a one-dimensional team right now. And while I think they're a very good one-dimensional team, if Oregon is of the caliber that we think they are, and again, I, I've kind of written a little bit in the last two weeks. The, I, this is as good of a team that I've covered since the 2014 team. Um, those types of teams should dominate one-dimensional teams, and that's what the, doc, the Ducks did. But, yeah, that's a Utah team that doesn't have a quarterback. Like, I don't think they should have been. I think they were number 13 in the country based on reputation. And that's not, again, that's not to take away how the Ducks played. Like, they played, as Dan Lane said, a complete four-quarter football game. But, yeah. No, absolutely. And I mean, I think the, the reason that we're being as critical, I don't know if you want to call it critical, but, I mean, it goes to show that we both have believed for a while before the Washington game that this team was really good, leaving the Washington game that this team maybe was still better than Washington. The the best thing that happened to Oregon uh, in terms of perception wasn't necessarily that they smoked Utah the way they did. It was that Utah beat USC the way they did, and they made this one-dimensional offense look like and it could be an explosive unit, and that was the anomaly. If you look back at just in terms of points scored, which, hey, when it comes to offense, that's a pretty big number usually is how many yeah, points you no. put up. It does matter. Um that's the anomaly. Th- th- so thanks for, for to, going out on the leg there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so for them to score six and spot, you know, for Oregon to be able to put up 35 in that environment against Utah defense, that again, I think is running more on reputation than anything else right now, because statistically they haven't been amazing and they have injuries. That was a good sign. But again, I mean, this team feels really complete. Um, we, we actually talked that we, we thought this USC game, as much as it's lost a lot of this, it, it's kind of national luster maybe because of the way USC has floundered the last few weeks could be really exciting. And, 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 and that's particularly because we still haven't seen Oregon face an offense that can beat you in as many ways. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's funny that USC has suddenly turned into like the look over game. Obviously, Oregon's not going to treat it that way. There's a lot of, still to this day, I know it was more kind of an emphasis under the Cristobal staff. There's still a lot of Californians on that roster. There's still a lot of them that want to, to beat that school. But, yeah, that's that that's a scary team to look over. Even even though I think Oregon can score 100 freaking points against USC's defense, I like that that might be the team that, that does score a few points against the Ducks. So I, I think that will be that'll we still don't know the time of that one but it wouldn't surprise me if that's like a prime time like 7 30 p.m like something weird's happening at night game and i'm really looking forward to that one but i also think i don't think this cal game this this week coming up on saturday is going to be as bad of a game as or as maybe as a i don't know i i think when you're looking at the schedule like cal is definitely like the eh like it's like the bye week for the fans you know if you're going to take one week off during the season but Cal's offense is actually really fun to watch. Like they scored 49 points against USC. Like they damn near beat the Trojans in that game. And it's, it's not like the, the Justin Wilcox slow beat them up style of football that I think a lot of people might be expecting. So I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you here. Okay. Please. do. I think, um, I think that Cal's offense while improved, is not all that dynamic. I think they, like Utah, are coming off a win in which they scored a lot of points against a very, very, very bad USC team, a defense rather. I think Oregon should and probably will completely 
completely smoke them this week. I don't think I, it will be close early or late. Um, <laughs> if you look back, I mean, let, we can go through it. I mean, they've had high-scoring games against North Texas, against Idaho. They scored 32 against Washington. Um, but but really, they, they have not been able to put up. How, how many did Oregon score against Washington? Hey, fair point. I I they they are more potent than they have been in years past, but this Ducks team is better than they've been in years past. And so, while I agree that you know the offense is more exciting, I do think we're doing the USC thing here, where they put up a lot of points. And, and yeah, and, this. and I think this is uh, an offense that doesn't match up well against Oregon's defense because they do a lot of RPO stuff, and Oregon's edge and linebackers are just so fast and so athletic that. Cal's not going to be breaking things off the edge against the Ducks, especially at home. You know, it it might be a weird weather game. I think it's forecast to, to rain on Saturday, which is kind of fitting because you might be too young for this, but the Ducks and Cal have had some absolute monsoon games over the years. There's think there's one mm. in like 2013. Um, I wasn't there, but from people in the uh, people were getting soaked inside the Otson press box is like how hard it was raining. Jeez. Yeah. Um, so yeah, okay, like we'll, 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 sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, sorry. Oh no, I was just gonna say, yeah, I mean like the like it'll be interesting, but I, I don't I don't expect it to be particularly close. And I also don't think that um, you know, if if you're looking for things to like amp people up or whatever, you know, Dan Lanning's not gonna wanna lose to Justin Wilcox in Onsen. No. No. Uh, it's funny being back on Zoom after we've been in person for so many weeks. I know we missed last week, but it's immediately harder to communicate on Zoom. Anyways, uh, one one funny thing about USC and and their defense is as bad or worse than we thought, and we're right to think. Um, they are six and two, and they have one Pac-12 loss. It's the right. other loss was Notre Dame. For example, I had a friend that's texted me two consecutive weeks, like bewildered that they're still as high as they are in the Pac-12 um, standings. And I had to explain him, you know, they're tied with Oregon in the Pac-12 standings. So that's a big game. Yeah. Um, and it's one I'm excited for. I know we're getting two weeks here, but um, that'll be one I'll, I'll – that'll be very interesting to see what happens in that game. When was the, – the last USC game at Autzen was – It's been a minute. It's been a while because I think the last the last time they played was Cristobal's team went down there and, and kind of demolished them, if I'm not mistaken. They, well, no, so they went they went down there and demolished them in nineteen, um, mm-hmm. which was that was that was a fun game to cover because that was I remember my lead after that one. It was Cristobal was in the the visiting media tent, and up until that point, he had refused to talk anything about the college football playoffs and in that and and i think that night he was like yeah like we deserve to be in the discussion because i think they were like eight and one at that point um Mm -hmm. that was a really impressive win yeah they they absolutely smoked them and then it was was it the The, the pac-12 championship game it was yeah the the next no it was that same was it that same year no because that was the herbert year Correct, correct. So it was that was a, a Rose Bowl team. So then you fast it was forward. A tw- it was a 2021. And that was when like Jamal Hill had a couple picks. And yeah, Anthony Brown was rotating at quarterback before right. his full season, um, which does feel very, very that, long that, ago at this point. That 
that 2020 season to me doesn't that feels like a like a fever dream what a weird year yeah um yeah it's been a while they don't they don't play often and now a word from our friends at lombard house hey there i5 quarter fans this is brian cook the owner of the lombard house i'm a former teacher and my wife is a union nurse so we're a proud union family the bar uh very firmly stands behind our portland public school teachers that are on strike asking for the basic safety measures that anyone of any of us would want for our children i'd like to invite everyone to come by this afternoon and evening to the lombard house we're located at 7337 north lombard and we will be doing a buy a teacher a beer event we'd ask that you come in with uh, some extra money to purchase beers for the lovely teachers that are going to be there celebrating uh, we'll be buying them beers until the strike ends and any beers accumulated during our event or during the strike will continue to be distributed to teachers once Portland Public Schools has come to their senses and given them a fair contract. Again, uh, we're having a party this afternoon by a teacher of beer at Lombard House. It's a really good cause. Who doesn't want to stand by the people that raise our children and teach them? I uh, look forward to seeing you all there. And uh, yeah, come on out for a good cause and drink some beers with your teachers. Thank you. Shane, why... Why is Bo Nix not the Heisman frontrunner right now? Or at least like a legitimate part of the consensus conversation? In terms of frontrunner, it's because that Washington loss. That's the only thing I can point to, right? Uh, J.J. McCarthy at Michigan and Michael Penix at Washington, they're still undefeated. So whatever the stats may say, they're going to favor the undefeated team a majority of the time. Not always, but a majority of the time. You were talking about East Coast bias earlier, and this feels like Bo Nix bias Ooh. because I wouldn't call it East Coast bias or, or West Coast bias, however, whatever you want to say that is, because Penix is in the discussion. I think there's a lot of media members who can't, like, still to this day, can't shake the Auburn Bo Nix. I'm still listening to people. I, who was it the other day? Maybe it was Joel Klatt, even, or, or someone, or Ryan Marcillo on their podcast and these are guys that are are tapped in and they're sitting there and they're like yeah you know i was watching but i still couldn't believe it and now it's becoming kind of you know undeniable and so it's so interesting to me because he's been doing this for long enough where and with a with a second oc at oregon now he's had like five in his career i I, so i I guess i'm surprised that it's still taken this long for people to shed that that perception of him from auburn because i mean like you'll even see he hasn't had a bad game yet. He's really had bad moments, but like on the off chance that, uh, um, you know, he goes and tries to make a play and it doesn't exactly work out. You'll like see a lot of like that. Oh, that's the bow next that you get. Like, you know, sometimes you forget that that's the bow next you get. It's every quarterback is made far worse plays than him this season, except for just a very select few. Um, and so, yeah, like he, I, has, I de- he has one pick, which was kind of a meaningless pick and a meaningless moment of a, of a meaningless game. He has uh, a few missed throws at times that haven't mattered, and then at times that have against Washington on those fourth downs. But he hasn't been the Bowie he was even last year. He's been better. Yeah, and what's crazy too is last year what made him so dynamic was that RPO and how much he was used in the running game and how strong he was in there. I mean, he the Ducks kind of – saw that a bit the year before with what they were trying to do with Anthony Brown, but this was a guy who could actually was a better athlete and could actually throw the ball a lot better. 
we haven't even seen like the RPO Bo Nix a whole lot this year. Like all of his production has been primarily as like a passing quarterback. And he's, you know, he's not quite as 400 yards a game prone as like a Michael Penix, but he's very close in total yards. He's very close in touchdowns. He has far less turnovers. The the biggest key for Oregon this year is they're, I think leading the country in turnover differential, the offense has lost two all season, which is insane. And then you consider with the fact that the, the secondary is picking passes off more, their, their front seven is forcing fumbles. Um, that's, that's, that's kind of the key. It's, it's the efficiency of Knicks and the fact that you are seeing a quarterback who has started 56 games in his career. He gets out there, he goes into a Rice-Eccles stadium like he's done that before. Like he can be just as effective in that game as he is at any at excuse me at any other venue uh, in the country right now. I think the point you made about the rushing is is important because like at this time last year he's setting all time Oregon quarterback rushing touchdown numbers, and he's having games where he's rushing for like 70 yard touchdowns against say Stanford, right. Or whatever it was, he, he was their goal line back last year. Um, and that hasn't been the case this year, partly because they haven't needed him to. I mean, he's, he's completing such a high rate of passes and they're not just dump offs, you know, they're, that's in the offense, but he's taking shots that it feels like he's got such a command over this offense. And we got to see a little bit of that in the cinematic recap they did this week with him kind of, calling stuff at the line of scrimmage and, and getting the order. And then Dan saying, Hey, we don't even know what he's doing sometimes, but we just kind of let him cook. And uh, I wonder if, if partly it's, it's that effectiveness and efficiency that is kind of rendered his, his uh, run game obsolete and kind of not necessary. Well, and it's, it helps too that the running game outside of Bonix has been so damn good as it is. Absolutely. Um, Bucky Irving's averaging seven yards per carry. Jordan James is averaging eight yards per carry. They, they, I think combined they're at like 1400 yards this season already. Like they, they're dominating. And I, it's a combination of like, when you watch Bucky run, like it's very obvious that this guy is very good. Like just his, his, his speed, power and balance um, is as good as I've seen covering the ducks. The offensive line is pretty damn good, too. And I, I think that's evident in the fact of the balance of, of the yards per carry across the roster and also, also the fact that Knicks continues to uh, – he's got to have the cleanest jersey in the Pac-12, right? Like, like he's, he's barely, <laughs> yeah. barely been touched this season. I think what it comes down to is just Oregon and how they finish. Because I think there is a, a way that Bo Nix goes from, you know, really outside of any top three, top five Heisman debates at this point to a finalist if Oregon finishes this thing off the way that a lot of people, including us, I think, believe that they can. He was the one after Utah that said, I believe, you know, this is a Heisman team or or something about the award being about his team. And the fact of the matter is it usually goes to an outstanding player from one of the top four to five teams. Um, And so if they find themselves there, I don't know why Bonix. Again, maybe it's that Bonix bias, right? Um, but I don't know why he wouldn't be at least a finalist for that ceremony. This is the highest I have felt about Oregon ceiling since it came crashing down and basically after 2015. They're in a similar spot to where Cristobal's ducks were in his second year. You know, I just talked about that USC game. 
they were seven one, eight and one. They were in the discussion. But it just didn't it just didn't feel like all facets were coming together quite like this. Cause I mean, just even watching those ducks play, I mean, like in retrospect, everyone kind of does the what would have Justin Herbert looked like in country or in college if he had a better offense. You know, it was always just kind of a this is all going in the right direction, but and I don't know what the but is with this team right now. Like they they are solid across the board at every position group. It looks like the coaching staff is developing guys. Uh, Tosh is being. It, it looks like Twitter. the coaching staff as itself is <laughs> yeah. developing. Yeah, no, like like this, like it's it's a group that looks like it's just really in sync. And actually, you know, we'll we'll get into this a little bit. The the recruiting talent that they're bringing in, especially at the defensive line, um, the type of bodies that they're. Like they have three five-star defensive linemen or kind of edge guys, or it's, it's two five-stars and like three or four four-stars. Um, yeah, like this, uh, I, I think the Ducks are well-positioned to compete for national championships. And I didn't know if that was going to be the case with Chris Ball's Ducks. Like it felt like they were always going to be in like that New Year's Six contention. And like I felt like they could make a playoff. I, I think the ceiling's like national championship for Lanning's Ducks. Yeah, absolutely. Especially within the next three to five years, I, you know, I think they'll have, they'll have some things to replace these next this next year or two. But you can absolutely envision a near future um, where they're in the playoffs consistently. I guess well, twelve teams, you know, whoever, whatever. But um, top four, right? There was there was times with Cristobal where, well, if they win out, they are deserved maybe. But it never felt like they were really that caliber of team. And part of that was the Pac-12 wasn't very good, so we didn't see them versus that caliber of opponent very often. That whole perception didn't help um, back a few years ago either. But never did I feel confident that should they get to a playoff, that it would go any differently than sometimes we see these three or four seeds get in like a Cincinnati a few years ago. And I can, I mean, there's countless others that just get embarrassed. And it's like, what did you gain out of this experience? And I was always telling people like, wouldn't you rather than go to a Rose bowl in 2019 and, and win? And that's like a classic ducks game now, but with landing, it feels like, and I still have to see it to believe it. I, I was telling you yesterday, part of me doesn't, doesn't know if it, I, I, there's still something about it, right. About Oregon being up against a Georgia per se. Right. But it feels possible now, and it didn't before. I de- like. I think they're a lot. They're a lot better now than they were when they played Georgia last year, and that's kind of the measure I'm going. I don't think that this team could beat that. Like, I think this team would still get throttled by that Georgia team, but I think it would be a lot closer. And I don't think that this is nearly the final product of what Lane is envisioning. My only concern is, are you? <laughs> how is the landing era ever going to get better quarterback play than what it's getting right now? And what does it look like when you go from a quarterback starting in his 57th career game to potentially a guy starting his first career game? It'll be interesting. It'll be fascinating. I think they'll be able to pull it off, but it's, it's definitely, that will be the the biggest quarterback. I I, I think Oregon's going to be the, the the biggest quarterback destination next year. And Ty Thompson better play his ass off. <laughs> yeah, well, part of that answer, too, is they will get better weapons, they will get better O-linemen, and the defense will continue to improve because it's still not elite. 
Um, I think I think this team could make a national title this year. I don't think they could win one, but I think they could make it this year. That's where I'm at with them. And yet, if they lose to, say, Oregon State, we're probably doing this whole thing again with Landing yeah. and his decisions, and it, it could change in two, you know two three weeks just the way it has. Yeah, been, that's right? that's 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 very fair. And so they are they are not immune to slipping up, but I do feel like this team could make a national title. I don't think win one this year, which is totally fine in year two for landing. <laughs> Abundantly okay. But is it? I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, <laughs> Should he be on the hot seat if the Ducks aren't having a parade down Villard? Um, all right, Shane. I think, I think that was a good podcast. I think we both put in a good, strong effort. It was a good week of practice. You got anything else left for me before we uh, we say goodbye here? Hectic few weeks coming up. It's gonna be great. I yeah. no November always kind of catches up on you, as we were talking yesterday. But it's it's a hell of a ride, especially especially when the football teams are doing what they're doing. I mean, this is whether they blow it down the stretch or not. This is to this point of a special Oregon Ducks season, and it's a, a special season in Corvallis for for grading on a curve down there too. So. Giddy it's up. funny because we will see each other for these podcasts the next few weeks, but you're going to Cal and I believe you're also going to USC, which I will not be at either of those covering them. And then they've got a road game and then all of a sudden we'll look up and it will be the corridor cup and we'll probably be sitting next to each other in the new press box over there. And uh, I'm so curious where our heads are at come you know, the, the, the last week of November. The game's in Eugene this year, homie. Excuse me. There, that kind of gives you a little bit of a peek into my psyche right now and where my head's at. Uh, all right. Well, hey, thanks for listening to everybody. Uh, I, and this is kind of a, it's going to be a backloaded week, but I think we have some pretty good content coming in the next couple of weeks, especially with basketball season uh, starting up. So uh, keep an eye at i-54door.com and uh, thanks for listening. To you.